Hey, I'm Emily Masana. And I'm Emma Maggie Byers. We are the co-creators and co-producers of The Language of Us. Streaming now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in today. We have Everly Cole, writer of last week's episode, Language of Size. Hi, Cole. How's it going? It's good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, do you mind telling us a little about yourself? Who are you? What's your medium? Tell us about your art. So I am a third year, which is like really weird to say, um, at the New School for Drama. I'm focused in acting and playwriting. Um, as an actor, I'm trying to uh, approach approach every role that I have from a place of empathy that disregards gender identity. And then as a writer, I'm trying to explore how we view gender identity um, in a less didactic way. So I really want to show um, trans and gender nonconforming individuals uh, through a genre bending lens kind of in this more, um, in more casual lights and more dramatic lights because I feel like we're at a place right now where we're learning so much about um, identities that seem new to us but have been existing for quite some time. So I think it's time to give those stories some more nuance and some more um, meticulous storytelling, if that makes sense. I love that about you and I love that about your work. It's always a pleasure to be around that and to consume that art. Yeah, it always, it always feels very um, like respectful and kind and like you come from a place of like wanting people to be seen and really like showing the full spectrum of who they are which is really special yeah yeah I really and I also don't want it to be like I think there's like a very fine line between um you know complexity and either demonizing or putting people up on a pedestal so like I don't mm. I never want to go to those extremes so I really I really I'm, I'm glad that complexity comes across and I'm grateful to work with people who validate that too everything that you just said is so um it's so there in your episode so let's talk about how you got here so I actually this project is like part of a bigger piece that I want to work on um I I took like a step back like earlier this year and I was like oh my god I don't really write a lot of happy things and I know that sounds weird because this like fragment of their story is a little bit not necessarily painful but like it's it's not exactly their most joyous um but I as someone who hasn't experienced a lot of like um romance in their life I never felt like I was like I never felt like I could attack that as a writer um but I was thinking about it and I was like, well, there's not really a lot, like I feel like a lot of our personal lives, whether we like it or not, are influenced by the media we've seen growing up. And I've never seen, you know, two gender non-conforming people <laughs> in a very casual, not like normal relationship. Um, and I think that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to take like the formats of like really, um, really like, delicate focused romances that you just you know these two characters that like even the ones where there aren't really any like supporting characters that you can get distracted by um and I wanted to I wanted yeah I wanted to create that I wanted us to have an opportunity to focus on two gender non-conforming people not with like the monologues about how to say they them pronouns in context to referring to them or 
just like about their humanity and about their their love and obviously it's not you know it's not a nicholas sparks um joy ride the whole time that i guess nicholas sparks isn't the best for all positive but it's not a hallmark joy ride the whole time you know and i think that's important because you know anyone can see that and be like oh i've had those moments in my own relationships and regardless of if you know someone who's trans or not um you can you can hopefully see yourself in a little bit of those nuances and be like oh this isn't so much of a foreign concept as i like to believe is there any sort of like meaning or moral that you want people to walk away with after listening to this or any like questions you want them to have in their minds? I think in terms of morals, I think there's like one, um, one frustrating moral that I want them to walk away with and one heartwarming one that I want them to walk away with. The frustrating one is unfortunately because we live in a society where people don't really understand gender non-conforming folks, um, trans folks, like people don't understand really uh, an abundance of the trans experience. And um, I don't ever want to approach my work from like an assimilative lens regarding that because I don't, I don't think that blending into um, cis narratives is necessary, but I also like as someone who, you know, grew up in the closet as this like a gay cis man um before coming out and then coming out and seeing how much different um and how much more free my life could be once i finally was like true to this person that i felt inside of me i was like it's like it's harder for people to understand me and i don't know if that's always linked to acceptance um or i i don't know if that's linked to genuine acceptance it's a very like complicated thing so i think the frustrating moral is unfortunately i want people to come here and be like oh these like like people people of this experience are you know similar to me they're different to me and those differences that aren't assimilating into my experience as a cis person um are valid and they're they're beautiful, you know, and then I, and I guess that translates into the, the wonderful moral is that we can all experience love. Um, because I feel like a lot of queer and trans, like particularly young queer and trans people, um, don't really feel like that, you know, but yeah, I think the beautiful moral that I'm hoping people get is that, you know, everyone can experience love. And it doesn't always have to be from um, people that you were told you should be attracted to uh, growing up, you know, because that happens all the time is that it's not about who you're told you're attracted to and to be open to um, whatever comes your way, because there are a lot of people who are going to, uh, unlike the media sometimes portrays, there are a lot of people who are going to treat you with kindness and love. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. I mean, language of size is such a, it's a heartfelt story filled with love. Um, and it's like, you know, the good love, the the frustrating love. Um, and also the idea of um, this, you know, loving who you're supposed to love or loving somebody that looks like this isn't really an issue that we run into here because of the style that the script is delivered in. And I think that's really unique because, um, as audience members, we truly get to listen to the words that you've put on this page. And 
and listen to the connection between the characters and be there in that space instead of like you know how how normally our our effed up society like presents images or tropes or you know caricatures of these people that or people in love or or you know just any form of a visual um guide to you know a couple or more so um, i'm curious like how has this been um in an audio uh world for you um, and really focusing on the words and the connection between them i'm actually really excited to see how people receive it in an oral medium because i think i i think when we uh like watch tv we have, all right, I've always said this. I've always, like when people are struggling with my identity, I've always said, you're not struggling with the language of it, which is why I get frustrated when I see, um, you know, especially non-binary identities portrayed in TV where like the only, and it's like, and like not that these are necessary scenes because of like where we are societally, but some of their like only big scenes are like, hey, Everly Cole uses they, them pronouns. And that means that like, and like you already use those pronouns when you pick up a lost wallet and everyone's like, oh, you know? And it's like, I'm like, come on guys. Like, it's like, I always say like, you're not, you're not having a problem with the language. You're having a problem with the visuals, mm -hmm. you know? Because like people, the way that you, you've been conditioned to see me is as a man. Um, and that's unfortunate because that's not who I am, you know? And that's not, you know, that is why like you check in with people about their pronouns and that's why you, you know, you check in with people about how they experience life because it's always been a part of our identity. Um, that's always what's made us so beautiful and special. And I think that this, like this form of a narrative podcast, people are just plugging their headphones in. If they don't like say they're like somebody who just like um, has come across this podcast that they don't know anybody affiliated with it, they're not going to know, you know? Um, and it's like, they're not going to know what we look like. They're not going to attach anything to that. And then even when they do finally see us, if they look like me or Maya up on Instagram, they're going to know that place of humanity first. They're going to have been introduced to that first. And that's not necessarily how I think it always should be for trans and gender nonconforming people. But especially just in terms of like recognizing how whole our lives are um, and how that can be captured even in like a queer specific narrative. Like I think that's a, I think it's a great way to be introduced to characters, performers, because you're, you're just listening to somebody and you're taking in that story and you're imagining it in your own head and you're challenging yourself. Um, whether you're, you know, whether you've finished listening to it and you've looked up who, you know, who's a part of it, um, or you're coming, you're coming up with those visuals in your head because it's like, it's going to help you um, destigmatize how you see gender and how you see like what is that supposed to look like in air quotes i'm like pretending that that's like <laughs> a video but like in air quotes like what people are supposed to look like because presentation is this beautiful thing that we can just take a hold of and use to have um our like inwards outwards expression and show people who we are even if necessarily like our bodies don't always um, coincide with how we're feeling in a very dysphoric way. 
stripping away the visuals that we you know get so hung up on are really getting down to like the true authentic nature of these people and like the humanity because every, you know at the end of the day everyone is we're all humans and like there's more just there's more to you than just how uh society stereotypes you to look or or expects you to uh conform to the gender binary definitely i'm glad that that comes across and i'm glad that you know it also gives, you know, cis people, hopefully not in an assimilative way, but it gives cis people um, the opportunity to challenge themselves and take their own time to learn about that. So it's not like, oh, I just listened to this podcast episode um, and like, you're my trans or gender nonconforming friends. Like, tell me about it. Like, please mm -hmm. tell me. I feel like, I feel like hopefully it will inspire them to be like, oh, I should probably just like, figure out my own, you know, presumption. And Google it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Google it. Literally Google it. It's so, so many reliable sources. <laughs> oh my God. I'm very lucky to have both the writer and the director sitting here in this Zoom meeting with me. Um, so I would love to talk a little bit about your collaboration, um, you know, as writer, director, writer, actor, um, director, actor, all of those good things. So um, either of you, would you tell me a little bit about like how you were introduced and your history working together? Well, we just know each other from, we went to school together. I've always admired Cole's work. And I, when this script like came into our atmosphere of Language of Us, I was like, this is the one that I'm gonna direct. And this is the script I'm going to direct. If Cole, was, if Cole let me, but this is the script because... I was so happy that you chose it. I feel the same way about Emily. I was like, I was so excited to get a chance to work with her because I just, I, I always like, I, I always admired her as this like very like mature artist and like, it's very hard, like it's very hard in like theater school to like find someone that you connect with and you can really get um, like a solid product out of, you know, because I feel like, you know, especially in smaller programs, regardless of like where people are at with their artistry, just in terms of like working together, you can either get distracted or you could realize that your creative processes don't really match. And I was just excited to work with Emily to kind of explore that. And I was like, I was so fulfilled to get to like work with her. Would you talk about the transition from passing the script to writer to director and any thoughts you have on that? I would say I approached the script really delicately um, it, with the knowledge of you would be playing one of the roles. Um, and then also like, this is, this is just a thing that you, 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 you wrought. The, the nature of the script and the story was so, so intimate. And I wanted to, as a director, not like get in the middle of what you intended. And then also like, it, it's, it's so interesting directing work of a writer who's also acting in it because I'm always like I know you know you I know you know everything about this because it's literally would not exist without your brain but here I am imposing my own thoughts onto it so like let's let's figure it out um, and obviously not imposing but um, collaborating it's interesting that you say that because I feel like I always feel like when I'm passing it off to a director as a writer there are like concerns where I'm like, oh, I hope they get this. Or like, I hope that they pay attention to this part. Um, 
especially if it's like contingent upon identities that haven't necessarily been um you know represented enough for us to like have this like very firm um grasp about how to tackle them um but i've always trusted like your knowledge about queer culture um and like trans identities and your validation i was like i, I definitely trust emily with this wholeheartedly in, in that regard and then like seeing how you took the script and like the care that you gave it and the appreciation that you gave it was very refreshing because I don't think like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like um you know the fear is that directors will be reckless in a way because that's kind of antithetical to what um you know what the role of a director is sometimes from my experience like I'm writing something and it's kind of like this that this thing that requires activation, handing it to a director, especially someone that I know that I haven't worked with yet, there's always that like that like little fear where you're like, I hope this can be activated. I hope this can be, um, you know, brought to life, and that like the director will want to um, find themselves in it. And that's exactly what you did. I this was an incredibly intimate process and incredibly intimate script and something I was really interested in. I mean, across the board, it's really important to me that my actors are comfortable in the rehearsal room. Otherwise, like, why are we there? Like the whole, like you're, it's, it's your room. You're supposed to shine. Your comfort is, is priority for me. Um, you need to be able to do your best work with the best tools and, and resources. And I'm, as a director, I am your resource and there to guide you to this um, fulfilling, you know, your, your role. Um, and also in the intimacy of the story, because of the nature of it being on a podcast, I was so, so focused um, more about how these people connected to each other and, and what we knew about them already to establish this relationship since we, we weren't getting any of the visuals and the the stage directions that Cole wrote in of you know their touches or shrugging or or trying to kiss each other you know so much um, of these visual cues that that uh, give us information about these two people and their relationship. Yeah. So speaking about Zoom uh, for both of you, but Cole, if you want to go first, did you encounter any you know challenges working with Zoom? Um, over this podcast, like the whole process from start to finish, what was like the upside and the downside to being completely virtual? Totally. I think, I think it was, it was, it was an odd process Zoom, Zoom wise, <laughs> because um, especially like with Zoom theater in general, it's so hard to get things to land. I, either like the things that you're giving other actors or the things that you're receiving as an actor. Um, because like, you don't really have, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know how people have been Zooming this year, but like, there aren't like a lot of, other than, uh, you know, this this uh, pandemic that we're experiencing, um, there aren't like a lot of climactic things that take place over Zoom. Um, so you're not really like, you don't really have like the emotional sphere as a person <laughs> to be like, oh, like I am, I am on a beach with the love of my life and we're frustrated together. So I'm going to receive that um, in the comfort of my bed on a screen, you know? So it's like, that's 
that's the difficult part of it. Um, but, and also just like remembering that like, your, like your facial expression and like your body as an actor influences the voice. So it's like, this isn't necessarily like a voice acting thing, which is like something I kind of like grappled with in the process. I was like, oh, I was like, I kind of just want to like lean in and just like go fully crazy with the voice. But then I was like, it's not going to, like, it's not going to be as like gentle as it needs to be. And it's not going to be as connected to Maya as it needs to be. Um, and I also wanted to take a minute to say that Maya approached it fantastically and they were, they were incredibly they were incredibly in touch and it was really um to like it was really gratifying as an actor too to like work with them and like see how how grounded they were approaching zoom and and creating this like beautiful um character like yeah. bringing bringing Astor to life. Maya was a pleasure to work with um and I will say the voice actor thing that's why I'm so adamant when we record these episodes of having a zoom screen open as well and really like forcing the mm -hmm. actors to act with each other over zoom and just don't even think about the fact that we're recording on another platform um, because it's it isn't a voice acting experience you're not trying to replicate that you're you're just I like to think of this literally as like a TV show episode and you just close your eyes for it and you you take in all of the visual you 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 take in all of the oral experience and the visual just comes from hearing that well Cole it was so lovely to speak to you thank you for taking the time to yes, talk about so language much. of size with us thank you for giving me the space too where can we find uh, you next? Are you working on anything? How can we stay in touch with you? I am um, next, actually my next project that I am filming next week um, under like obviously COVID, you know, the, the crew of this web series are they're, they're being very COVID conscious and we're all getting tested beforehand and taking temperatures, being very strict about it. Um, but it's a YouTube series called Big Egg, um, which it's hilarious. It's like it's like a mix of high maintenance and um, and uh, the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo, and it's it's beautiful. It's like shamelessly queer. There are you know non-binary like like there are like characters from you know the, the whole spectrum of the trans experience. Um, so I'm actually filming for that next week, which I'm really excited for. Um, and you can you can keep up to date with me <laughs> um, on my Instagram, which is like the best place to follow me, um, which is at theatrical. So it's like, you know, the adjective um, theatrical, but theatrical, my name. So we'll link it for everyone <laughs> yeah. to see you. so they can get the spelling correct. Great. Wonderful. But yeah, so and I'm working on a couple of new plays in class that I want to able to workshop soon if we can ever get back into real lifeness we'll see but this was lovely this, this was wonderful this was so great i was i'm so grateful that we were able to take advantage of this time and make something wonderful yeah, yeah. thank you so much for being a part of it and i'm just so excited to see what you do next yeah same for you guys you're making really important work thank you it was really great to hear about your process and take a little bit of a behind the scenes look into the language of size. Next week, we have a new narrative episode coming out from writer Niara May, Elaine Calling. 
we'll see you next week. <laughs>